is the Angel Next Door podcast, where we will talk about all things angel investing, what it is, who does it, how do we find them, what does it mean to invest in an early stage company. If you have ever wondered how you can affect the change you want to see in the world, then tune in to learn more. In today's episode, I'm talking to Jason Morales, and we're diving into cryptocurrency and NFTs. I've been trying to learn as much as I can about this very fast-moving and interesting space. And I first heard Jason on another podcast called Freedom with NFTs by Lauren Turton. He did such a great job explaining NFTs, I wanted to have him on the show. Jason has been active in the cryptocurrency and NFT world since 2013. He's also, though, a veteran, a biochemist, and he started his own natural skincare line inspired by his four-year-old daughter. Jason and I are going to be talking about blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, and the future of where this whole crazy world is going. Enjoy the show. Great. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for being here today. And thank you for your service in the Army. Really appreciate that. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. And uh, as you know, The Angel Next Door is a podcast where we demystify things that are related to angel investing. And you're a serial entrepreneur. You are a lifelong learner. You are a biochemist. You have your own skincare company. And you have become very knowledgeable about cryptocurrency and NFTs. So today, I would love it if you could help our listeners demystify the whole NFT world. So I'll let you just kind of start there. Okay, so uh, I, I appreciate that. So to simplify things, you know, a, a, a lot of people where they get into these misconceptions of like wanting to know about NFTs is that they they leave out the identity of like learning about cryptocurrency or blockchain because it's one of these things that like if if you don't understand blockchain, it's going to be really hard to understand cryptocurrency. If you don't understand blockchain and cryptocurrency, it's going to be very hard to understand NFTs because they're all related. Okay. Blockchain technology is kind of like, you know, like the, the mother of cryptocurrency. And then both of these are kind of like uh, NFT, maybe be like the, the third generation, you know, after cryptocurrency for blockchain. So with that, you need to understand how blockchain technology works first. So what what I like to help people understand is like blockchain technology is, is really a way of implementing integrity-based data. When I say integrity-based data, this is data that once it's burned into the blockchain or, or written into the blockchain, it's not going to be able to be changed. Okay, so so once it's put on there, it's stored there for for the lifespan of that that entire blockchain. Okay, to better understand the data storage of how blockchain works was really to understand what we call mining or, or proof of work. So the way mining or proof of work works is is essentially someone like myself will will take computer hardware typically graphics cards and, and the form of other computer hardware. And I'm going to build a miner. This miner, I'm going to connect through the internet to a, a blockchain server. Let's just say uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin, since those are the most well-known ones. Now, when I connect to this server, there's other miners who are also connecting to this server. Okay. And why we're connecting to this server is because we want to solve a complex 
mathematical equation on these blocks because we know that if we solve these blocks that we can get rewarded with cryptocurrency so so how that works is the computing power from everybody's miners when they connect to the server or this block and they're solving this mathematical equation their data is actually being stored in this block like how many miners are connected what's their computing power how how long are they connected what's their temperatures where are they located at so so all this data is being stored in this block as well as the the uh computing power like let's say how you solve like a mathematical problem let's say if there was like a formula these formulas that that are being used they're also being data stored in in each block so once a block is completed or or the mathematical equation is solved in a specific time frame then all these miners are rewarded in the form of cryptocurrency and they're all rewarded based off their computing power. So if you have better hardware that has better computing power, you are going to get a bigger dividend at the end of that block being solved. And then once that block is solved, all that data that that was in that block is going to be recorded onto the next block, like the starting line, okay? And then the the process is going to repeat where all this data storage keeps repeating and evolving as this blockchain progresses with problems being solved. So why why data integrity is important, let's say in like a, a real world scenario is let's say for something that everybody needs, supplies, supply integrity. Okay, so like if I have a bunch of supplies for, let's say I'm a manufacturer and and, uh, a bunch of different people order supplies, I want to make sure that they get there. So like you could use like the data on blockchain technology for like the different points of like, let's say this trucker picks up this amount of stuff and then they go send it there. You want to make sure all of that gets there. And if anything happens in between there, now you have integrity based traceable records that that no one can fluff no one can mess up to where you can pinpoint what's going on you can go back and retrace things for let's say data analytics data analytics they're not just using supplies they're using marketing they're using all sorts of things they're using manufacturing things that in the real world a lot of people use and a lot of people rely on data but when you stick in uh flawed factors let's say like uh, human factors or, or or things of that nature or someone just not having the integrity to, you know, where they can go in and change things or make things disappear on a blockchain, you can't just do that. Okay. Like you would have to go stick in another record to correct a previous record or, or, or things of that nature. You can't just take something out and, and make it disappear and then no one knows about it. So if you are wanting something that is integrity based information or, or data, a blockchain is a good place to store it at because one, it's going to be there forever. Two, there's high integrity of it. So you know it's the truth. Okay. And in NFTs or art, the NFT art, which that's essentially how NFTs came about, people wanted to display their true ownership of like, this is my NFT or this is my art. Where again, before blockchain technology and NFTs, there was human factors where people weren't integrity-based trusting to where like, let's say people had Mona, uh, Mona Lisa, the original one. Then you had all these people counterfeiting a Mona Lisa and then selling it and making money off it. And, and they weren't Leonardo da Vinci. 
they they weren't the original painters of that, but they're making money off of it. And, and it was very hard for people to know which one of these is, is the true original copy. So NFTs kind of solve the, the human factors issues of that to where when you stick a, a NFT on a blockchain technology, it kind of has this copyright feature to where there, there's integrity of the time that it was minted on that blockchain. There's integrity of like who minted it, like the, the owner of like what account, what their IP address, what their crypto wallet address, things like that. So, so the integrity of the data becomes valuable for artists because one, they get to be the only person that monetizes off their art. Okay, the, the, there's a blockchain that that let's say if someone does want to counterfeit their stuff, you can always go reference to see who was the first one that created this art and minted it, and then that's going to be the winner, and the other person's going to get uh, I think they call it like DMCA or whatever, which is like a, a digital media copyright kind of thing. To where if you're not the originator and you're trying to monetize something, they'll just make it disappear off the internet. They'll just take it completely off the internet. Wow. So NFTs kind of work in the same way. Like if I make a, a piece of art on the internet and it's not on a blockchain, anybody can like right click, save that and be like, oh, that was mine. I'm the one that did that. And then you can't really tell who did it. So where if I put that same art and I put it on a blockchain first, before I go and show everybody else, if someone tries to right click, save it and say that it's theirs or, or monetize it, I can always go back to the blockchain for reference and, and be like, OK, well, according to the data, that's incorruptible data. It says I'm, I'm the original artist of that. And, and this is my intellectual property that I created and I did not transfer any rights over to you. So, so that's where, you know, a lot of disputes with like legalities can can right off the bat. And, right. So I heard the other day, like Bitcoin, for example, is a fungible token. And we're talking about NFTs, which are non-fungible. So if I had a Bitcoin and you had a Bitcoin and we traded, they would still be basically the same thing. But if yes. I have an NFT and you have an NFT and we trade, there's no way that they're going to be equal. Exactly. Uh, right. Because it, yes, uh, exactly. Because for the most part, the minting or like whenever you actually burn the data of an NFT onto a blockchain, even something as small as like a time frame can mm -hmm. differentiate what the difference is between an NFT. It doesn't always have to be the art. Or like if things are burned on different blockchains or something, there, there's different blockchains that kind of have like their own unique features. Some people like to put NFTs on different ones. Some people like to put the same exact NFTs on both. What are like, some of the blockchains that you'll find more common NFTs? Ethereum is, is the number one blockchain that you'll find. So Ethereum is kind of like a, a lot of the problems that we had with Bitcoin. Ethereum was like, okay, we'll be a problem solver. And Ethereum blockchain became what we call open source. Let's say if you're also technologically savvy, you can take the codes from the Ethereum blockchain and you can go modify it and do other things, which that's how NFTs and like the applications to support NFTs were actually implemented. Okay. So most of NFT based blockchains that you're going to interact with is going to be Ethereum. Now, over time with like a mass people using Ethereum, it's become kind of like a congested traffic to where uh -huh. like if you're stuck in traffic, it's going to take you longer to get somewhere. 
it's going to cost you more in gas to get to that place too. Like if you're driving in traffic, cause you're just sitting there for a longer amount of time than driving. So if you take those same concepts with like Ethereum, once a lot of people started using Ethereum, it became hyperly congested, just like a, a traffic jam out on the road to where now the transactions to where like, if I wanted to buy Ethereum or trade Ethereum, even if it was for like NFTs or other things, it, it was taking longer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the gas, which in, in cryptocurrency and NFTs, gas is actually referred to as a transaction fee. Just like if you go to ATM and you want right. to a transaction fee. So there started being presented more issues with Ethereum. And that's where the next blockchain, which is uh, a, a lot of people are going to is Polygon, Polygonmatic, which mm -hmm. Polygonmatic is, is kind of like the, the solution for the things that are wrong with Ethereum, which is the, the congestion of traffic, which make things move slower or, or slower transactions or the gas fees. So like just how you're sitting in traffic is gonna cost more gas to get there. On Polygon, they solve that too, to where the gas fees are significantly cheaper or the transaction fees are cheaper. So Polygon is what we call a layer two solution to Ethereum. They're actually, they took the Ethereum open source code and because it's open source and, and they can modify it, they, they modified it to where they became a problem solver for the things that are wrong with Ethereum. So Ethereum and, and Polygon are going to be the two major blockchains that you would probably interact with on NFTs. And because Polygon is now implemented more into Ethereum with like solving their problems, a lot of the, the good features like low transaction speeds and higher transaction speeds, I mean, uh, cheaper transactions, Ethereum is, is starting to benefit from that now. They're, they're starting to scale kind of like in, in the same manner as Polygon because Polygon's helping them. Oh, uh, I see. And, and Polygon, because they, they have, you know, like cheap transactions and instant transactions to where you're not going to have to wait several minutes or an hour or anything of that nature, you're going to instantly get your asset a lot more people are moving over there. Even famous people like Paris Hilton, she she minted an entire NFT project on Polygon. Uh, yeah. Snoop Dogg did the same thing. And, and you're starting to see it become more popular with, with very big brands. Even the Macy's Day Parade this, this past Thanksgiving, Polygon was the blockchain that they were advertising to give out the first Macy's Day's NFT, you know, because they did it over TV. Yeah, so... Those are going to be the two main blockchains that, that you'll be more likely interacting with. And then how do NFTs work as far as being a marketplace? I know I've heard you say that before. How's that work? So, so NFTs, your creativity can kind of like tailor what you can do with the NFT. A lot of people were just like, the NFTs are just art. There's just a bunch of Mona Lisa's and Picasso's and, and People are wanting to protect their, their copyright. So things have evolved from there to where this painting can now just be an image that, that represents a product or service in an existing business. So let's say if you have a, an existing business and you have an existing product or an existing service, you can now use this NFT instead of just saying, oh, it's just art. You can kind of use it as like a ticket like a ticket to, mm -hmm. to get to your product or get access to your product or get access to your services, which a, a lot of people kind of do that. Let's say if you were to go to like a, a Dallas Mavericks game to go watch that game, you got to go buy a ticket to access the event. 
So like those are things people are already doing. So like if I have an NFT and let's say I I just take a picture of you, like your, your professional headshot. And, and then in the description, I talk about your businesses and, and I tell people, you know, this person has this service. And if you buy this NFT, you're guaranteed this service and under this quantity and things of that specific. Now you have a market to where you can sell what you're already doing. So let's say if you had a product that existed and, and you were selling it on Etsy and you were like, you know what, I, I can reach a bigger audience if I put this product instead of just on Etsy, I put it on eBay. And, and then if I want to reach a bigger audience, I'm going to take that existing product and now I'm going to put it on Amazon. And, and now with like the technology of blockchain and especially with like, you know, protecting your assets, if you have a product that you don't want people to like copycat or anything like that, and you put that product, like a picture of your product, like, let me take, for example, like this space major, this is one of my skincare products. So like, I just took a, the same picture you find on my website. I stuck that and made it an NFT. So, so I made it an NFT. And if someone buys that NFT, they get my skincare product. Oh, so, uh, okay. To make it more favorable, people will be like, well, I could just go buy the skincare product online. So, so I made it more favorable to buy the NFT versus going on my website because one, you'll get a 30% discount. I'm going to give you a 30% discount and it's going to be a 30% discount on a one-year supply. So when you buy that NFT, you're getting a one-year supply at a 30% discount, which I don't offer on my website. So that's where it comes to, again, I already had an existing product and, and, and I was like, okay, if people are buying stuff on the NFT market, then, then, you know, and I'm selling all this stuff on, on other e-commerce websites. I'll just treat that as an e-commerce website. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, instead of just selling Mona Lisa's and Picasso's, I'll take a picture of my product and I'll stick it on there. And, and I'll, the audience of people who are already on there searching NFTs, that maybe they'll run into my NFT. And then when they look at it and see what it is, you know, they'll be like, wow. You know, I, I can get this skincare. I'm going to get a year supply. I'm going to get a 30% discount. Well, I got my website in there to the link of the product where you can even go compare the value of what you would get from our website versus the NFT. So, so to get people to really implement your products and services in the NFT space, you have to provide a significant reason or a valuable reason on why they should be going to that market and and buying your products and services versus just going to the the source that they were using before blockchain technology which is more than likely some sort of e-commerce or some sort of internet based website to to contact you. Mhm. Cuz you sold your poetry book on as an NFT, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So I I published a, a poetry book on on Amazon through KDP. And this was something that already existed for a, a couple of years. And I kind of started treating it like art in a closet where like, I, I kind of like forgot about it and just left it there. It was like my art that was just there. And then when I got into NFTs and started discovering or, or kind of, I, I kind of just got it in my own head, my own ideas that I could treat this like another e-commerce market. I was like, man, if I take the art, the art from the cover, like I, I'm the one that drew the art on the book. I was like, and, and I own the intellectual property rights. If I put that artwork on an NFT, 
then it still meets the 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 whole art audience. You know, there's a painting mm-hmm. there. You know, someone might like or identify with that artwork. And then when they look at that artwork and they're like, wow, not only am I going to get this art, but when I buy this art, I'm also going to get a poetry book. That was the way I increased that value to where, you know, a lot of people like my artwork. So, so they're getting artwork that they like. And then they're also getting a poetry book on top of that. So I was able to sell art and my poetry book in in one NFT. So what that did, that provided that person with more value than they would have had on, on Amazon because one, they now own my art. They, they own my art with the intellectual property rights. So if they wanted to go make a t-shirt with my art, they can do that. And I, I gave them those rights to do that stuff. If, if they wanted to use it for any other digital purpose, that's not going to like, you know, stain my name in a negative matter, they can go do that and they can monetize off that. And then they can have my poetry book. They're, they can't monetize my poetry book because it's IBSN protected, but the artwork themselves, they, they own that artwork. And not only can they monetize it by commercializing the artwork, they can also sell that artwork on the secondary market. So there's a lot of different ways that they're getting value for me putting my poetry book in the NFT market versus just selling it on Amazon to where all they get is a poetry book. Interesting. So can you explain what the difference is between locked and unlocked? When you say locked and unlocked, so so unlockable content, I'm not sure if that's what you refer to. So unlockable content is is like an additional feature to art. So on an NFT, again, like at the beginning, it was just Picasso's and Mona Lisa type artwork. It was people's original artwork that they just want to sell on there. And they wanted to make sure that that they had the ownership rights burned on the blockchain. Okay, so now when you want to introduce a service or a product to that artwork, you have what we call unlockable content to where if you buy the NFT, now you have access to this unlockable content and you cannot have access to this unlockable content unless you buy the NFT, okay? Which the the description of the NFT will kind of describe, you can describe in detail what the unlockable content is. So when people bought my painting, it said in there like, hey, when you get this painting, you're gonna get like a poetry book that has so many pages and, and things of that nature. And I'm gonna send it to you in ebook format, okay? So for them to actually retrieve that and they buy the NFT, now they have this unlockable content that they can unlock and they can look at what's in there. And essentially what unlockable content is, is going to be a fill in the blank description. So, so this filling the, the blank description, how, how I specifically did it is to where after this person bought my NFT and they opened the unlockable content, I said, hey, if you want to gain access to the poetry book or you want me to send it to you, email me at this email address, put this specifically in the subject and put this information specifically in, in the uh, body to where like, you know, I can verify your wallet address and that you're the original buyer. And then I will send you the ebook to my poetry book afterwards. So that's one way of doing that. And that's less automated. That's something that I have to like manually be involved in. 
So if you wanted it on something more automated, let's say if you had an e-commerce site where you owned everything, it's not like draw ship and you know, you can use like promotional codes. Mm-hmm. Let's say if someone, you had a product that was on your e-commerce site and you wanted to sell it on the NFT market and someone buys that NFT, well, well they already paid for it. So now you have to find a way to get them the lockable content. If you mm-hmm. use a promo code, if you give them a link and instructions and, and that unlockable content, like once they buy the NFT, be like, hey, go to this website, use this promo code, and you'll get this product for free. And then that that's like more automated to where like it's hands-free and, and you don't have to be like personally involved the way I did it with email, which that's just the way I wanted to do it. If I wanted to send someone a physical copy, Amazon actually offers that ability where I could send them a link to the product itself, I can send them a promo code and and then they can handle that without me having to mess with them other than just putting the NFT on the market and then everything else is kind of like automated in their hands. Interesting. Uh, So Jason, where do you think we'll be five years from now? Five years from now, I say every concert, every sporting event, every major event, even public speaking events or like Gary Vee and things like that, Instead of buying tickets, you're going to have to buy NFT, Hmm. okay, to kind of like be in like this like club status to where you feel like you're a part of a community, okay? So these are going to be very community-based things that I feel like NFTs are going to evolve in. So, and the reason I say that, like Gary Vee, there's something he was already doing. He was doing VCon and public speaking for like 15, 20 years. Everybody knows that nothing new. So he came out with the NFT collection and his NFT collection right now, like within the past, like 48 hours, if you own one of those NFTs, now you're getting a VCon ticket. The same thing that that he already had existing before NFTs or anything. So now if you own one of his NFTs, now you get a lifelong ticket to VCon. So every VCon that he ever has. So now he made like a community around this to where people who like, are fans of Gary Vee, people who want to meet Gary Vee on a regular basis, people who want to be part of his brand and have access to other masterminds that might, you know, be at these events. They're like, wow, I I need to get one of these NFTs. That way I can get all this community value that that Gary Vee is now providing. And, and, And I just use that as an example because I feel like sporting events are going to do the same thing. They've already had community-based markets like that with season tickets. It, it was a community-based thing. It's usually the, the, the same season ticket holders year to year to year to year to year. And a lot of those season ticket holders have like special access to events only they can get into to where they all know each other. You know, they all know Thanks. each other's faces and, and names and things like that to where I feel like a lot of these community-based things with sporting events movies, any kind of like event where you can go in and there's a community, I feel like it's it's going to be the NFT is going to be the, the key or golden ticket to access that community and access those events and things of that nature. So these concepts are not new. They, they've been going on. There's been secret societies and clubs and, 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 right. and things that have been doing that for years. But now you have this integrity of who's in the club based off their NFT. You know, the, the people in the club to, to verify if you're actually in the club to get all these benefits and things like that, mm-hmm. they have to go through who's the ownership. And if you're like one day, you know what? 
this isn't what I thought. Uh, uh, this this community isn't what I thought it was, or, or I've tapped all the knowledge I can from all the masterminds, or the entertainment's not good enough anymore. I'm going to sell this NFT. And if the hype's still there with everybody else, you might make a lot of money on your investment. So that's where you know the ROI, the return on your investment on that NFT can be monetized as well. So, so you have value in a lot of different ways. Of course, you know the market value of your NFT and then you have like your community value to where like, you know, in, in NFT space, because I've held NFTs in certain projects, I've gained access to uh, discords and other places to where if you don't have that NFT, you can't get in there and talk to anybody, you know? And then I get in there and I find out, wow, I was attracted to this for specific reasons. And there's other people who are like-minded that, that think just like me, have a lot of interests just like me. They were attracted to the same thing too. And, and now we're all in this club to where we can all talk to each other. And if you don't own one of these NFTs, you can't. Amazing. So I, I think community-based events, projects, things that to where the community can be involved in, in strengthening, you know, like the value of, of the brand or anything like that. I feel like NFTs are going to be like a very, very big part of that. And the reason I say that is because one of the most previous events with like the Super Bowl, there was nonstop advertising with cryptocurrency and NFTs. The the mm-hmm. place that where they had the event at right before, maybe like six months before that event center was one thing. I think it was Staples and then turning it cryptocurrency.com. So there's a lot of this propaganda-based branding on a Super Bowl event to where you know a lot of people are going to be watching. And, and when I see all these brands like, you know, alcohol brands and things like that, entertainment brands, since I was a little kid and they're on the Super Bowl, NFTs, 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 mass adoption's here. Yeah. Wow. It, That's amazing. And they're already flexing that, that golden ticket to get in the club access kind of deal if you own the NFT. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jason, you are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Before we wrap up, can you give us a one-minute elevator pitch on Nova Jane Cosmetics? <laughs> okay. So Nova Jane Cosmetics is a skincare company that I created. I am the chemical formulator of all the products. It is an anti-aging company to where we focus on taking care of the customer and making sure that we provide high quality products to where let's say all the ingredients in there they're they're all effective ingredients we don't have any fillers or or any crap or anything to where like you would have to be worried about if if something's going to harm you or or cause any kind of like long-term exposure you know like deficiencies and things so all the problems that i i seen with other skincare companies i wanted to provide a solution so instead of you know skincare regimes that have like 12 products to where they all do like one thing I felt like I could take a lot of these products, maybe like four or five, and put them into one to where I can have one product do four or five things. And 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 I, I wouldn't be screwing over my customer. I would be able to, you know, provide more value with each individual significant product. And my products, there's no one else, there's no other skincare company that formulates my products in the manners that I do. So I have all natural deep cleansers in the form of deep cleansing masks that moisturize and tighten your skin, as well as soap that moisturizes and tightens your skin. And then I also have serums, and these serums have peptides used to repair collagen-connected tissues and the problems that actually cause 
wrinkles and signs of aging. So, so I don't use things to mask the aging. I try to correct it by supplementing the body with things that it already makes inside. But, but as you get older, those things decrease. So, so I'm providing a supplement for people to not only clean and clear their skin, but to make it more healthier and, and more youthful. So the longevity of those tissues lasts. Amazing. Jason, you are awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and people can find you at novajadecosmetics.com. Yes, that's right. Novajadecosmetics.com. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom, you can have access to all my social links on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and, and LinkedIn itself. And you can contact me on any one of those platforms. I, I'm the one that answers the messages on all the social media platforms for Nova Jade Cosmetics. So that would be the easiest way to contact me. Excellent. Thanks, Jason. This podcast is brought to you by the annual and event partners of the Angel Capital Association's annual summit. This must attend event, ACA 2022, the Summit of Angel Investing, Reach New Heights, Build New Connections, will be held in Atlantic City, New Jersey from May 17th through the 19th. You can learn more by going to our website at theangelcapitalassociation.org and clicking on the events tab. This content would not be possible without these partners and their generous support. Partners like American Express, NIH Seed, Foley Hoag, NSF, America Seed Fund, Assure, Fox Rothschild, Morgan Lewis, KL Gates, Millennium Trust Company, VentureWell, New Jersey ADA, Hugo New Capital, Ben Franklin Partners, and many, many more. Thank you. The Angel Next Door podcast is informational and not intended to serve as legal, tax, accounting, or investing advice. Our speakers and hosts are thoughtfully selected for their educational value, but their opinions are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the Angel Capital Association, and the Angel Capital Association does not specifically endorse the use of presenters' products or services. Listeners of the podcast should consult their own tax, investing, legal, or accounting advisors before making important financial decisions. All warranties, including accuracy, completeness, and suitability for specific purpose, are disclaimed.